we're back. Hi. Um, so many mm. things to talk about right now. Plenty going on this week, isn't this there? This is insane. Yep. So you've yep. been over here for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. We are working on the last bits of this yes. death ratio coming together. Tiny details. So um, buy a ticket today if you haven't bought a ticket. Mm-hmm. They're $15 for general entry on Saturday. $45 gets you the Excelsior package, which is a t-shirt, a coaster that Aaron and I are making right now, uh, sticker, two comic books. Ooh. There's tons of stuff. But yep, it, plenty. The, like probably to me the biggest thing is that it uh, gets you access to the Friday night kind of like VIP yep. Excelsior event. Mm-hmm. And so it's a limited, closed number of people. There's There were only 100 Excelsior packages to begin with, and now we're down to like way less than that. Yep. So like you yep. have to get yep. it. But there's a max number of people that will be in the room on Friday night. And so you're going to mm-hmm. get to spend time with these artists. Um, and spend time like hanging out with everybody, like mm-hmm. much more, not one on one necessarily, but like the ratio is just going to be so much more in your favor. If, like, you know, if you have art that you want to show or something that you want to ask a question about or talk about, like, such a better environment for that than on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And you've already got all the merch too. So you don't yep. have to worry about, you know, like, it's just, man, it's going to be sick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're going to be there on Friday. Yeah. I guess I'll show up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah we'll be there that's on, what'll draw him in we'll be there yeah. on Friday yeah. so hang out and talk with us like Aaron and I are just gonna be in awe of all the stuff well I'm gonna be in awe yeah, going I'm gonna me, be in awe there's a lot yeah yeah it's, it's man I, mean, I you've gotta get tickets to this so get it. go caddywampus.com mm-hmm. I am super stoked about it and Saturday Aaron we're hosting an yeah. artist panel yeah it's gonna be awesome not just one artist panel. not just one how not many, just Daniel? Two not just two. Panels. Wait, are th- is there more? There is more. What? Yeah, Mr. John Lucas, Whoa. the guest from last week, mm-hmm. is going to be creating a character with you. Yeah, not not Aaron, with no. you, the audience. Right. Yeah, shout outs. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you guys get to like co-create with this guy a character live. Mm-hmm. It's I don't even know how it's going to work, but it's going to be amazing. It'll work though. So yeah. I mean, yeah, it's going to be super fun. But for us, it mm-hmm. is uh, the one-year anniversary. So we're turning those artist panels into a live show, and that'll come out yep. as our 26th like real episode. So if you ask a question, there's a chance it'll be on the show. You'll yeah. hear, hear yourself ask an yeah. artist a question. Um, and patrons... I would like anybody supporting us on Patreon. I would love mm-hmm. to meet you guys. Well, yep. I want to meet everybody, but yes, I did post on Patreon the other day. Did you see this? Not yet. I made a commitment. I hope you're okay with it. I'm going to have to be. Okay. Let's do it. I said that any Patreon <laughs> supporter that comes to the show, that we would give them a free poster. Ooh. Yeah. You're okay that's with that? Good. Well, heck yeah. And okay. high fives. I put you in a weird spot where you Yeah, no, you're, no, you're not. It's, it's, I, if we didn't give one away to those folks, then I'd feel horrible because they're so good. Yeah. And like we had these posters mm-hmm. made a little while ago. And yep. like it, I just thought it'd be a cool kind of like yeah. thanks, you know? Yeah. So and it's just to make it in person. I thought like, the, mm-hmm. I mean, and I know there's some people that can't make it. And yep. that does feel maybe a little unfair. But, but for people that are there in person, um, it just seemed like a cool little mm-hmm. gift that we could give you. So if you support us on Patreon, definitely find us. Please. Um, and, get one of those or heck just go sign up on patreon right now anyway mm-hmm. and then you're you are i mean you can do it for a dollar a month and we're gonna give yep. you a poster that we're, we're selling for more than a dollar right yeah. so high quality good print original artwork of yeah. us a caricature of us yeah yeah by chad mm-hmm. so anyway 
we can't wait to see you. We can't wait to do this. No. I'm super excited about right. it. Um, I think it's going to be a ton of fun. It is. So, uh, let we should thank the yeah. some of our patrons. Well, we thank all of our patrons. We, but we, should we name thank you. yes, some of yes. The top there's definitely no way for us to yeah. <laughs> really to name them all. Well, we can we can name you, but there's no way for us to sort of put into words our gratitude other than to read your name. That's true. On the episodes yeah. here at the beginning, so hit it. Thank you, Cindy, Brian, Allison, James, Lindsay, Catherine, Travis, Jennifer, Deborah. Jesse, Holly Hill, Jeremy, Sean, and Tyler. You guys are awesome. Yeah. And thank you very yeah. much. Thank you very much. And thank much. you to all of our supporters. Yes. Like we can't yes. name everybody and we right. apologize for that. But you guys, uh, Aaron and I were talking the other day, like an- anniversary also means <laughs> like oddly enough, all those bills coming due, right? And it's because of <laughs> you guys that like yep. we can um, pay them. keep this <laughs> yeah, that keep this show on the air. So right. like we can't thank you enough for that support. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like after this show's over, I think it'll be a little bit easier for me to catch up on content, but there is some special content in there. There's more special mm-hmm. content coming up, um, based on some work we did recently. Like there's going to mm-hmm. be, I think we're going to have a pretty cool kind of like sponsorship drive type thing, sort of like we did with the art thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so www.patreon.com forward slash look what I did. You can get on there for mm-hmm. a buck and it does get you access to some pretty cool yep. stuff. That being said, (laughs) today's episode Mm -hmm. is a band you may have heard of, The Good Fear. Mm -hmm. Um, We are not equipped to bring an entire band into our dining room table. Right. (laughs) So uh, we we had two members with us. We had Mr. Brian Brown, who Mm. I actually went to school with, and Mr. Zach Holland. Um, They hung out with us for the evening. Oh, yeah. And... Probably, I guess the record came out in April. Is that record store day? I think is April. Yeah, it was April. Uh, their album "Long Gone Brand New" came out, and um, so they came and talked with us about that. And mm-hmm. it was a really cool. You'll hear more about this band and kind of the history of it. But to me, it was neat to have them because they're such a tapestry of the musical history right you know probably the last 25 years of mm-hmm. musical history in the area yeah um and so it's a really really cool conversation with them and just people that are that are doing it for the love of making really good music right so right. uh this is a great episode and i think you'll i yeah you know if you wait till the ish point if you make it to the ish point we might drop a good fear track for you mm. in the ish point so you can hear a song for free off the record. Do it. Yeah, we should do that. You should make it to the ish point anyway. Yeah. Because that's where more hilarity ensues. Right? Yeah. Right. That's where all the good mm-hmm. stuff happens. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is Brian Brown yeah. and Zach Holland from mm-hmm. The Good Fear. Enjoy. Okay, so we're going to start with who you are and what you do. And then the rest is just conversation. Okay, like in the band or just in general in life. Well, we'll see, we'll you're see what happens. You're here oh, for the broad. band, but we're going to talk uh, about whatever eventually. Broad, but but <laughs> what you do, like, well, I guess you guys are represent. We've never had representatives from a thing, right? This is new for us. True, you're gonna have to walk okay. us through it. Okay, right. so no, <laughs> who's your daddy and what does he do? So okay, you guys are the ba- <laughs> a band. Yeah, the band is I'll called The Good Fear, and I'm Brian, and I play bass. 
I'm Zach. I play guitar and sing, and I write most of the songs. We have we have three songwriters now. Uh, the band has rotated members quite a lot, but over the last ten years or so, it's been steady, same group. Todd, Gill, Dustin Bartholomew, right? Damon Singleton. Yeah, the other Damon's the newer member. We've we've been through. We we had a previous drummer, Tim Campbell, right before mm-hmm. that. Who was Tim was actually with the band in its first incarnation, which was still the Good Fear, but like still the Good Fear, totally different lineup of except <laughs> yeah. for Zach and Tim. It gets confusing. Yeah, uh, well, a guy from Little Rock uh, decided to make a project uh, to uh, record a bunch of songs for Mother's Day for his mom back in '01. Yeah, and uh, it, he basically went around uh, Jr.'s Lightbulb Club. Asking anybody he knew in the room that made music and ended up like eight of us down there. And uh, it went well enough that we stuck together for several months until people started moving out of town. Right. And then decided to keep it uh, a real band and get some local guys in that stuck around. I feel like bands are never that easy to come by. Like I never walked in a room and been like, it was you want to be in a band with me? <laughs> Boom. Eight people show up and just like, yeah, we'll do that. It really was <laughs> surprising and kind of remarkable timing because... I had just moved back from New York to be in where I was playing in a band with a guy uh, who's awesome from Fayetteville that we were in a band in Kansas that moved up to New York together. And he had just moved back, so he already met all the right. all these people. And uh, yeah, I was shocked. I was like coming back thinking like, ah, I guess we'll just take it easy for a while. I think we were still playing at that point, but I was like, oh. But then, and then yeah, we it just so happened that like six other guys and, and girls from different corners of the state ended up in Fayetteville that had... Basically, half of us retired from touring, so everybody right. was like pretty well versed mu- musicians. It was kind of that's shocking timing. It was great. We were talking about that, like the, like the Good Fear is this bizarre who's who of Fayetteville's musical history, like in a very it like kind of is, yeah, yeah. In fact, and I, I hate to say this, you're the only person who I don't know any background musically uh-huh. from. What was the band in New York? Yeah, well, so I I wasn't around for like the the Paper Hearts and and some of that stuff as much. Uh, I was in a band in New York called... I moved up there with a band called The Higher Burning Fire out of Lawrence, Kansas. Okay. Hmm. And we eventually became a band called uh, White Whale that was based in more or less New York. That band only ever really just got together to make records and tour. Right. Like Unwed Sailor. (laughs) Is that what they do? I think pretty much. They just get to record and then tour occasionally and do their... Because they all live in totally separate spots. Yeah, well, pretty quickly you realize, like, I better just... The first thing I got to have is, if I'm going to be on tour, is not paying rent. Yeah. (laughs) I need to be be homeless. Maybe that's why I never went on (laughs) tour. (laughs) Yeah. We got to get a bigger van. That's why... That's basically what happened to the guys that ended up, myself included, back in Fayetteville, just like, I don't want to live like that. Right. Once you realize... If we kill ourselves, we could make twenty five thousand dollars a year. Oh, yeah, and if we tour like all the time, you know. I think yeah. that's the same thing that that Todd realized too after yeah. being in. <clears throat> Todd was in Lucero for right. a year, yeah, and and came back to town, and that's when, uh, we 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 pulled him in, and uh, Dustin and I got pulled in shortly before that. After the first iteration kind of fizzled. Uh, Jason Rich was involved. He played lap steel. Right. He asked Dustin and I to come and record. It wasn't anything formal. It wasn't let's be in a band. It was just yeah, come come put some bass down on this. Song. Right, right. So, okay, we did that. So we went to Zach's house and did that. 
And then after that, it was, I don't remember ever really being asked to be in the band after that. It was just yeah. like, this is what it is. <laughs> That's you, how you uh, make things yeah. happen. At the time, I think I, I always imagined that it would just keep turning over. I thought I assumed you guys were, somebody would just keep moving mm. out of town and we would just keep figuring out how to keep turning it over. But then it just stuck and just <laughs> stayed, which is great. You're stuck with us. And uh, <laughs> But, you know, if you're a band for 10 years in a town like Fayetteville, Inevitably, everybody in the band is playing in other bands and gets to know other musicians around town. Right, so you right. know, that's why it might seem like we're, we're kind of ubiquitous around town well, and musically. So one thing I want to get to, like you, I feel like you had to have come out of Lawrence at a time when Lawrence was this odd indie hotbed of music in the country. Like yeah. Red Door, I feel like Red Door was based out of there, right? Yeah, is that yeah. right? Yeah, we recorded a couple albums there. That was a, I, I love that place. Um, the anniversary, I think, was out of there. Mm -hmm. Get Up Kids Get had up a kids. lot of ties to there, I felt like, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, there's it was one of those spots that was just like they known did. in a weird, you know, like way of music coming out of there. They did. And the guy that was at the drummer that kind of founded that band that I went up there for had played in, uh, or knew all those people. He'd been right. playing, he'd been in a touring band's uh, band called, oh God, what was, that? What was his band? Boys, Boys Life. Boys Life. That was kind of precursor to those bands. Gotcha. And then like the Get Up Kids went out, they went to shows watching him play when they right. were kids. And they were, I mean, they're not that far off in age differences, but. Uh, but three years can make a bit, like Todd actually, this is weird, but Todd uh -huh. was in, because we had played music like around the same, like high school, whatever, junior high kind of thing, mm -hmm. like sort of iffy bands. Yours much better than mine. But like Todd, I remember started the first band where I was just like, what is going like, this is a like real, this was a real band and it was uh gal. Well, it wasn't gal's revenge originally. Right. It was pinfold 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 originally. Yeah. yeah. And it was just okay. weird to like, See, that was when I first realized like real music was happening. It wasn't just kids mm. playing in a garage anymore, yeah. right? And the songs Todd, were good, and yeah, the songs were catchy, and super they could catchy, really play. well written. The musicians were good, and there's probably not too many years between me and Todd. I would assume, mm -mm. like two probably. or three, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But it's three. enough of a distance that like you're still the kid going to the show, watching somebody do the thing right. you eventually want to do. Yeah, and all that. That was a long way of saying. I understand the get up kids being only three years away from somebody being like, yeah. uh -huh. you're, you're yeah. my inspiration, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. Right. And maybe one day I'll play in a band with you. <laughs> and they did. They roped the bass player from get up kids to play in white whale later. Okay, cool. And then, um, the other kind of grandfather of that scene was a guy named Matt Suggs who, who was in butter glory an early merge band merge okay. records. Mm -hmm. And so he had, he had this storied history. Like he'd been out like uh neutral milk hotel went out opening for his, with oh, the Butter wow, Glory yeah, in their yeah. early days. And so he brought us on through his Lawrence connections as, gotcha. as a, kind of his backing band. So, yeah, we, we were kind of tied up and all that. And then the guy that I was talking about from Fayetteville that brought me up there ended up playing in Get Up Kids and New Amsterdam's and okay. the things that they, those bands were doing in the meantime. And he's played with the girl from Anniversary. Gotcha. So he's, yeah, he knows all those people. He's been playing up there forever. Yeah. And then you did... I don't know how far back you want to go, but you were Paper Hearts. Right, Paper Hearts with Todd. Yeah. Todd was in the Which that was a band that like I feel like I had moved away and came back and Paper Hearts was just this like phenomenon. Know. <laughs> you know, it's I just know. like what is going I did the on? Same like thing. and it was that that band in and of itself was its own kind of who's who of some previous bands that had been right. important in the scene as well, you know, at the time. Yeah, because Todd was in those bands that we mentioned before. Yep. Michelle was in a swing band called Oh, Digby yeah. O'Hara, you remember that? Uh -huh. and you might, I don't know she did were... the Bellicera thing for a little and, oh, while yeah, with yeah. uh, 
Bev, Bev and Paul. Right. Paul okay. Yeah. Bass. Yeah. Yeah. And then Paul Wardine. Although I think the only times I saw Belisar, it may have just been those two. But you have then who else was in? Okay. I keep wanting to put a Jonathan in that band, but he wasn't in that mm-hmm. band. Did Aaron play prior to that band? Aaron was not uh, a Fayetteville music scene person at that point. I think mm-hmm. that was kind of like his first. Was he the drummer? He was the other songwriter and acoustic guitar player. Okay, okay. The drummer who, was a- Andrew Rudd. Who I think actually bizarrely played for End of June for like two times and then decided he was better than that. Good move. And then went on to yeah. something else. Like, <laughs> I wish we would have done the same. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Ten well, years I did later. a couple of times. But, but yeah, so, yeah, so that was kind of a who's who. Then I remember, I don't remember how I came across Good Fear, probably close to 10 years ago. And it was just because knowing Dustin and mm-hmm. Todd and you, and I was like, okay, yeah. And I really liked it. And then, but I'm, everybody's done. Damon's played in. Damon was pinfold as well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 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 So it all like, we're so, it's such a web. <laughs> just people who've played together for a long in time. Multiple ways. It's yeah. Really cool. any, any, any good drummer is going to be in. 20 bands in a town. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, Damon's yeah. been in. I can't even. Yeah, lots. And he was that phenomenon drummer, too, right? Like, coming out of high school is just every. I remember him being the guy that everybody wanted, you know, like yeah. Damon yeah. could play. And he was a fun drummer to watch, mm-hmm. which is its own special thing, I think, as well. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, he was yeah. fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It's a. Yeah, okay, he's so, good. And then, and Dustin, Dustin's got his own pretty crazy trajectory as well skirt yeah their story is the weirdest du- of yeah all. actually du- can't really you should have justice, but <laughs> yeah you, you should have dustin on just to talk about his story just we short won't get into it, it but they, yeah. they, they a high school band in prairie girl that never played a show never played a show before sent a demo tape and i don't know one of the major labels sire records said we're sending somebody down to see you guys and they booked their first show at george's and got all the friends to come, and they got signed. Yeah. Well, because you know Dustin. I actually waited tables with Dustin, and he gave me the tape. Mm-hmm. So I, ha- I still maybe somewhere have the tape demo yeah. <laughs> from Skirt. The one that got yeah. them signed. Yeah, and it was like, and I remember that was another one where you listened to it, and like it was Skirt and Pinfold and all those elements kind of happening at the same time, like Kung Fu Grip, other bands that people aren't necessarily going to know us talking about, but like, there was this real moment in the late nineties of the music scene here being extremely, uh, exciting and fresh and good. I mean, it was real. there was a lot of talent coming out of that. And I think people didn't quite realize like in this band alone, you have four or five successfully touring musicians, at least for periods of time who've played for a long time in bands that you've heard of, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's, and to have that all in one, little area in Arkansas is kind of like mm-hmm. what makes this place a hidden gem, I think in a lot of ways. But, um, I think we all took it for granted because it was that, that's just the way it was everywhere in, in the nineties in every college it, town, the DIY music scene like was it, so yeah. big and, and, you know, uh, cohesive or somehow something seemed, seemed more cohesive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I guess it wasn't that's true. So, so splintered that, uh, yeah, I mean, it just felt like, and people were making good stuff all over the place. And people were paying for music, right? Like the and audience that. wanted it. Cause I, like mm-hmm. I was in Albuquerque for a brief stint after high school and, uh, the refreshments came out of there and they ended up doing like the King of the Hill and, uh, like, um, whatever, some other stuff, but like they came from where Albuquerque area. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And like, so it did feel like everywhere you went, there were bands doing well and people going out to, 
pay to see the show and supporting it and buying merch or whatever. That the nineties yeah. were a great time for. Yeah. They were probably just giving away our age at CDs this point. Made but it's like, so much easier. <laughs> it did. Everyone was like CD, CD, CD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very yeah. It was a good era. I now I just feel one nostalgic. Of the early Good Fear <laughs> members that I was living with, Clay Simmons, he would sit in his room for hours and try to learn how to play that theme song from King of the Hill. <laughs> the same on acoustic guitar. Here's somebody just doing acoustic guitar. That is an impressive guitar part. They're oh, really good. Yeah. They're, 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 they're two records. They ended up in a bad record deal, which was also a bad side effect of the 90s, right? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. so, so yeah. many bad deals. Um, so they ended up having to they just disbanded because it was better for them to just be done there's as a weird this doesn't pertain to anything but it's a funny story there was a band we were friends with in albuquerque that got signed uh got permission to use like 10 seconds of a star trek audio clip and they put out the record with like 13 seconds Uh and got sued by paramount for like ninety thousand dollars and had to just dissolve the band because they couldn't afford to pay the lawsuit like it was just this insane like everything's going great oh no like you've got to follow the rules guys Mm -hmm. like you just couldn't like yeah there's some wow some sad stories from there sounds like somebody might have been after him uh, you know, I, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that was also a period of time where I think like piracy started to really become a thing and people are really paying attention to like, right. Like what's yeah, happening yeah. what's getting played where, cause everybody's trying to figure out how to control the profit of it at that point. Mm. But yep, that was the beginning. Lars Ulrich yeah. was all over it. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Nope. Not guy. here. Not here. I not wonder here. how he feels about that now. Like, I don't know. I'm sh- I- he did. I watched that like the 2000s documentary or whatever, like the scene, <laughs> whatever the thing is that Tom Hanks produces. And they had a clip of that from the whole Napster era. And like Dude. that guy was fired up. Like, heck yeah. 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 And not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what the gist of his argument was exactly. Uh, they had made an entire, so rewatching it, it sounds like they had made an entire record and the whole thing oh. got released before they were ready to release it. Yeah. And that just set him off. Like the fact that you couldn't even release your thing when you were ready, that people were, it wasn't even so much that fans were getting it. Cause we were copying tapes off of the radio or whatever. Right. Like yep. that had happened for a long time. Yeah. It was the Ooh, fact that people yeah. were never did that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Me neither. But I mean, you would like loan stuff and <laughs> you know, like I remember, mm-hmm. uh, um, melancholy and the infinite sadness or whatever. I had to borrow from somebody Cause you had to like pick what CD you were going to go spend your $20 uh-huh. on, you know, yeah. it's like, can I just borrow this one from, um, <laughs> I just returned your water deep CD probably <laughs> like 15 like, years ago, <laughs> September um, of last and year. And Jonathan Haywood, who was in a band with you in high school, he was the one that got me into lookout record stuff. Cause he came with like oh. squirt gun and you know, like all these other records. And he's like, you got to check this out. And mm. that's that mm. like kind of word of mouth thing. But, uh, Anyway, we really digressed off of. Yeah, so you I guys made a record. Be, being around a lot of musicians <laughs> in the early 2000s in New York and watching them just, yeah, just uh, downloading stuff. And I just kept thinking, what is, does this make sense for but, uh, but all these musicians trying to take themselves seriously mm-hmm. to be to just be turning the record industry on its head? Like, I feel like we kind of made our bed, we made our choice, and here we are. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I don't really get bitter about it. I'm like, there is no money in it anymore, but. I'm not sure that ever we were ever ambitious enough to make money at it, but I just feel like, well, if you want it to be free, now we've got it. Now it's free, so we might as well just enjoy the creative aspect of it and don't worry about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think there, I, 
licensing has become a bigger part, like commercials or whatever is going to be the way. There's that, ways you know, to make music. Rock band, yeah. rock band gave us a bit of a revival for a little mm. bit. That did give musicians something. Mm. But I do feel like unless you're Taylor Swift or Ed Sheeran or somebody, right? Like there's the gap has grown ever wider between. Oh yeah, you're either really really struggling or making pretty good money. I feel mm. like, but I I would agree. Like it's always been tough for me to watch people just take it for free because I mean, that's what we talk about that a lot on the show actually just like art in some ways has become a commodity because technology makes it easy to access or pirate or mm -hmm. do it. You can, you can make a record in your bedroom on your laptop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. uh, MC Lars did it and it's a good record. Uh, <laughs> you can do a whole podcast at a kitchen table. Yeah, that's true. Not, not, I mean, we use a multi-million dollar studio, <laughs> right. but... Yeah, right. <laughs> One Dewey. <laughs> but but you can't, I mean, change. but yeah. that's 100%, like, yeah. yeah, you can, for a very small amount of money, go do a relatively professional sounding thing, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, and, for sure. Um, Look, yeah, people are no bypassing record labels and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And I had this conversation with an, a lady the other day who was like 20 in the seventies. Right. And so we started talking about like how, how art is affected by the fact that everybody, her husband was a photographer. And so how like everybody has a camera now and you just have these huge collections of photos of your dinner and like, what, <laughs> like how this has kind of changed, like what, like <laughs> photography really, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, um, because it's accessible for everything. And there is, it was an interesting conversation around just like, I'm sure people are upset at the proliferation of the electric guitar because it just made guitars really cheap and really accessible yeah. and everybody, right? But then nobody's going to go back. She's not going to go back and say, well, I just hate the fact that so many great bands came out of the 70s, but they came because of that accessibility and the fact that it was easy to get and cheaper to get, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that we have the opportunity to discover a lot of really cool, neat things. You have podcasts, you have tons of new young artists breaking out their staying power will be determined over time by their actual creative ability ultimately. And so mm -hmm. maybe we will look back on this as this golden era of creativity. It is. That was hard to wade through in the moment, but might be this wonderful I thing. I think that's the only thing now. it's hard to wade through. And I think it will always be hard to wade through and it does get a little bit watered down, but yeah, I look at it all as just enjoying creativity for creativity's sake. And that, it's maybe it's okay that any kind of art might just be more or less disposable and just for them uh, for a time or whatever and enjoy it and doesn't have to be monumental or anything or the challenge is to stay you're gonna have to really push yourself right to stand above that like you've really got to be you still see photographs or, or read a book that just stands i think there's some stuff that you could there certainly might, yeah, will be a classic eventually yes. you know and yeah. like i mean for everything written in whenever shakespeare's writing i'm not that smart Back he's the day, he's yeah. the guy that stands the test of time, right? Like, so not everybody's going to make it, but we will get some great things, I think. I think there's, there's some great stuff. One thing out of people recording at home and doing everything like this, mm -hmm. like if they're doing a one-off, they can continue to do one-off because there's no not as much overhead. So they can continue yep. to create great content for a long time that people, you know, select few maybe, will enjoy for longer mm -hmm. than just one, you know, freshman album and then, they yeah. sputter out and they can't. Whereas now you can release on SoundCloud as frustrating it is as it is to listen to SoundCloud, but you know, people are releasing all kinds of good stuff all the time. It, well, and to your point about making our bed and lying in it, I remember late nineties, early 2000, you're like, 
wishing it didn't cost $7,000 to go record three yeah. songs yeah, somewhere, yeah, you know, yeah. because you couldn't get in a studio to save yeah. your life. There was that for, barrier. Yeah. Unless you had all that cash, you couldn't go make anything that we, sounded decent. We mm-hmm. saved yeah. for like four or five months, paid $2,000 and got eight hours in a studio with like maybe eight hours of mixing time. And how did it sound? Did it sound okay? Or how many songs did you try? We to sold do? eight copies of the five songs. Uh-huh. You know, like it was just like Daniel's mom. Daniel's <laughs> Daniel. I didn't I'm, get one. I still, I still have some CDs yeah. available if you would like that. Wow. I mean, this is when like I, the, our album art. You weren't in the band at that point. I don't think the album art was like literally like taking things and cutting them out and taking them to Kinkos and like photocopying <laughs> and then, like the next layer photocopying yeah. like. I mean, Photoshop, it was, cut and paste. It ter- but it just yeah. cost so much mm-hmm. money to put out something like that, you know, when you're 20 and you've got like. Because they had half a million dollars worth of equipment in there. Or yeah, more. Studio. You know, where yeah. we went was more than that. And it was an amazing mm-hmm. studio. Maybe we shouldn't have been in there necessarily. But yeah, the quality ultimately, and it's not their fault, it was people that are not. It's not very much time. We weren't to make ready to go in the studio, right? Like mm-hmm. as musicians necessarily and trying to race through that in eight hours. Yeah. And the problem was Skirt had gone in and recorded an album in eight hours, a whole album, mm. and it was amazing. And I was like, yeah. well, we can well, do we can that. Looks yeah. <laughs> yeah. so easy. I put songs. my money where my mouth was and realized I was lacking talent. <laughs> so, and more money. So yeah. It turns out the those studios guys can do that. <laughs> those guys are better musicians. I mean, they literally went in and played it live and put out a record. We went in and kind of wow. half played it live. Yeah, that's and it is impressive like i mean those guys tore through something that was i i think a pretty solid record all things Mm. considered but man we were not capable we didn't do this one in eight hours (laughs) it it would be uh yeah so uh, we did actually go into studio we usually do just do stuff in our studio we did about half of the tracking in our space but we did we we definitely it benefited from actually going to a real studio and spending some money on it yeah i think that's that's actually an interesting conversation so i do see like it is home studios have become more available, right? For everybody. Like there are more oh, yeah. kind of like people trying to start a studio out of their house. I mean, you could do it on a phone now. Legitimately. You can make a legitimate album on a phone. A hundred percent. Yeah. Whole nother conversation. What do you think the benefit of going to a live, like, cause we also have, um, what's the studio in Bentonville that just, I mean, it's like a huge, amazing facility. I've heard the multi-million. Is it the Zach held one? The, Something the red, whatever. I don't remember. I'm thinking of the, but you have people building like, right. So there's obviously, it seems like there's some market for it or people leaning into it. Like what's the benefit of going into a studio in your opinion versus recording on your phone? He's just able to, he he has a really nice set. I mean, he's got, he's got a a tape machine. He's got a real like two inch tape machine. He who, I don't think we named the, we're talking about Chris Moore at uh, East hall. Okay. In Fayetteville. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, just anything we record, inevitably it sounds great until we mix it down to the final product and then it just starts to somehow lose, it starts to thin out and lose something. And coming off of his board, he's he's just got better equipment and, and he knows how to use it and he's got a lot more yeah. software that I wouldn't even, right. haven't even begun with to mess with. He's I just got have, so many tools. Right. Well, mastering is a big thing that the home studio still doesn't do well, I think, and mastering is where you start to yeah. lose. I think some of that like fullness. When but he even just his down. stuff, just just his mixes were better, and and he did. I, he actually ended up playing on the record some mm-hmm. too. <laughs> he plays a lap steel part that's really great. No, mm-hmm. nice. Mainly, cool. uh, our main thing we can't do is drums and bass. For some reason, you'd think bass would be easy, but for some reason, bass guitar is really hard to get to sound good if you don't have the right equipment. 
Yeah. And we are thinking about doing something on a phone sometime, but uh, it's just, you know, when you're not a professional band and you're trying to do stuff on the fly and do it fast, right? who has time to learn how to use it? Well, I think, I think to your point, for what you, like drums especially, the room matters. And drums I think that's where you hear, I just read an article in Rolling Stone about GarageBand and what that's done to albums because people mm-hmm. will like track a demo record and then Apple's made it sound so good that mm-hmm. those sounds will literally make it to the final product mm-hmm. with no change. And so I think why electronic music has done so well is because I, as a 20 year old sitting in my room can literally write a, a record. Yeah. And if it leans a little more electronic, you're not going to notice that those drums aren't real. <laughs> and now I don't have to pay to go to no, the it's studio. It's officially the point where I can't tell if they're real or not, if they're played well, if they're played right. It's super. Yeah. But if you're going to track real drums, a room matters a ton. Yeah. And that's the one thing you can't bring into your house very like cheaply anyway. Yeah. I think that's definitely when you're doing live rock. How do you guys feel about the status of the guitar and music and rock and roll right now? There's a lot of talk of, of guitar driven rock and roll mm-hmm. kind of taking a back seat to like so much electronic mm-hmm. landscape. We're back. Right. See? Already hilarious here. Yeah. Right. It's We're the more hilarious this mm-hmm. could be. Yes. Uh, Ish. Tickets for Death Ray. Go mm-hmm. Tell friends, subscribe, yep. leave a review. Yep. People have been leaving really nice reviews recently oh. on iTunes. Mm-hmm. That, and it, yeah. that helps a ton. It's super sweet. Yeah. It really is. So thank you guys for everything you do. Uh, let's not take too much time. No. Let's just give them this track. Right. So right now in the ish point, we're just going to drop um, my... Oh. This is probably... This this album has a lot of good. It really mm-hmm. has a lot of good tracks on it. But this is that kind of like catchy one that really like, like I enjoy just having it on and kind of dancing to it. Like it really, it's super upbeat and a lot of fun. But it's called the Knack, and it's the second track off the Long Gone album by mm-hmm. the Good Fear. So good stuff. Give it a listen. Let us know what you think. We'll catch you later. Yeah. See you at Death Ray. Actually. Yeah. Tell us what you think <laughs> at Death Ray. There you go. There you go. <laughs>
How do you guys feel about the status of the guitar and music and rock and roll right now? There's a lot of talk of, of guitar-driven rock and roll mm -hmm. kind of taking a back seat to like so much electronic mm -hmm. landscape. Yeah, I don't I, know. I don't. <clears throat> I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily think that it's that it's dying or or or, or going down at all. I've heard a lot of in the last five or so years bands that use the guitar in ways that don't sound like a guitar. Oh, that's cool. That'll you know it's a, using it more as a tool to make all kinds of crazy different otherworldly like a soundscape sounds. type of yeah. thing. Yeah, and it ha it's a lot of pedal boards and and all kinds of stuff that I don't that I don't understand. But right. <laughs> but like uh, Saint Vincent, she which she she's a heck of a guitar player oh. and. Uh, mm -hmm. But she, some of her sounds that she makes don't even sound like a guitar, and that's that's exciting to me. She, like she's the, the female the, edge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in giant pedal board ways, sound. Yeah. yeah. But but taking that guitar and expanding it and uh, making it sound uh, new, right? Again, and no, mixing in electronics. I think just like for my kids who are discovering music on their own, when I listen to their music, it's not. Like take a band like Twenty One Pilots, like there are acoustic instruments in it, and those guys are really good musicians, and that drummer is insanely amazing. But there's a lot of an electronic soundscape to it as well, and it's like this blending, and it's actually a cool uh, merging of different like sonic landscapes in a way. But it does feel like their music more and more is not not driven by that like trio rock mm -hmm, band. Mm -hmm that we grew up really like, mm -hmm. you know, the four guys on stage, like that, that was kind of our thing. And I think that's going to come back. I think we're ripe for like kind of a, a grungy, less polished yeah. era of like that stripped down songwriter. I feel like we're probably not. Yeah. You're probably right. You know, it's like probably, the landscape's gotten very eighties kind of synthy, yeah. like, and then where, where's our grunge movement? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think in my mind, I kind of, it, yeah, I just kind of assumed it is dead, <laughs> but I'm happy. To, but I'm happy to just go on playing it. I right. think really, what's happened is everything's just so splintered. It's just pockets of you can find what anything you know. Right. That's true. But yeah. it does seem like yeah, on some. But I mean, well, I mean, there's um, if you're gonna th talk about the forefront of music, I mean, there's certainly nothing left to do with a guitar, an electric guitar, really. I mean, until somebody comes and blows us away. Yeah. with this like random thing they came up with. Yeah. Right. Although yeah. I guess to counter my own argument, I've been to see Trampled by Turtles like three times in six uh. months, and that's just. <laughs> If, like, I mean, if it's done well, it doesn't matter. You yeah, know, it doesn't matter right. what you're doing it with if it's done well. I mean, mm -hmm. there's some bands that, like, if they're doing electronic music, could probably play that on almost any instruments and it would be great. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you could move it back and forth. I've always I've wanted to do that before. Do a, a recording session. So, this is when this, we need to go up to that Bentonville studio with $100,000. Right. And, and just make a whole record back Find to front. Find some sponsors. That has a, a, where you <laughs> the track Walmart two, record. Two totally different records <laughs> right. at the same time. Yeah. yeah. One of them is, uh, you know, a guitar rock record or a folk record, and the other one is all electronic. Cause you could, and you can almost. I mean, if you were using MIDI instruments, you could just, that's all just a mix. Could you just really. write the record and then give it to two different bands to interpret the, like, like <laughs> here's cool. a song, here you go. Like, that's just basically see what, what like, the Good Fear became when Todd and Tim Campbell ended up in the same band. Todd was still kind of right, writing uh, alternative country songs. Right, right. And the first thing Tim would do is start playing a dance beat or something. Yeah, yeah. that's true. All right, we're going to tear it apart. Disco beat. And, uh, but although Todd did, actually, his first demo he brought in was a dance song. I mean, he yeah. he was he was just learning how to use the first Garage Band, and it, it came and it was a hilarious. He'd done a female vocal on it somehow. He'd 
Pitched up the vocal, like a Donna Summer dance set. It's yeah. awesome. And it ended up being probably our most popular song, uh, The Way You Were. Yeah. We're like, he made this goofy electronic song or whatever, but we're like, man, that's a good song. We should play that. We should yeah, learn those chords. I always wanted to make a dance record. Tim always wanted to make a dance record, too. That would have, it would have been really fun. Ten years ago, I was... Whatever. I was hanging out with a guy who just come back from making a run at music in California, and uh, we, he was like, "I think I don't know if I can do this anymore. I think I might have to just like it's time to have my family." That whole conversation, right? And we're like, "Well, mm-hmm. can you write and sell music? Like that would still let you play music, make some money from it." Like, do and we have this whole conversation. Like four years later, I walked into his house and he had this dance beat. Mm-hmm. Katy Perry song basically mm-hmm. that he had like auto-tuned his vocals over it was like uh-huh. I have all the boys in my pocket my pocket like <laughs> this is very like Bob what are you I mean a guy who's like straight up the indie guitar player you know like Bob Dylan-esque kind of thing and he's like this is what I'm gonna sell I was like well uh, I mean it probably would like yeah. you know it's just that catchy beat those simple beats are what stick in your head like they're fun to hum along to like Sugar Ray we're going to cut that out. All their, but, uh, <laughs> all their cheating songs are the ones that made them, you know? Uh-huh. The other day, Horrible example, think I'm about sure, but... That Butterfly song? Oh, Sugar, Sugar Baby, is that oh, them? No, no, that's not Sugar Ray. Who's that Everybody band? That. You know what? They don't need their name no. dropped. We will nope. continue on down the... Yep. I just want to fly. <laughs> well, there's... Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And look at Smash Mouth. Uh-huh. Anyway. Didn't they write the Mueller report? No. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you not see that? So mm, put, I no. really am cutting that no. part out. Uh, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so you guys were in the studio for how long making the record? It took us about three years to make this record. Uh, it's called Long Gone Brand New. And, uh, uh, you know, it's that's kind of a misnomer, though. because Well, some of those songs were even older than that. Um, mm-hmm. There was just a lot of on and off time. and then, uh, it, But the end of it was... Uh, quite an effort to actually get it finished for real. But yeah, it, it's at least three years. Yeah, we were we, we would go in here. and out of the of the studio. We'd we'd book a weekend here or there and uh and then just sit on it for a while and right. then go into our our studio, I'm saying that in quotes, <laughs> uh to put some guitar lines on or we would, you know, put our own stuff on it and then kind of send it to Chris and be like, here's what we did. Right. Can you put that on there? <laughs> yeah. and We're trying not to pay you money good. if you'll just yeah. take this in. A month later, I'd call him and ask him if he'd put it on there and he'd say, did you send me the files? Right, yeah. A lot of stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. Like, stuff like that. That just made it take a long Because he's also always recording, you know, yeah, he's a number super of other busy. things trying to make a living. Uh, he but we went in time. there, yeah, that's what we did. We went in there like, Separate times, like thinking, oh, we'll just do three or four songs here, three or four songs. We right. didn't really know what we were doing, and then we had enough, just enough songs where it was like, if we finish Ooh, all of these, we, we can just make an album. Yeah, if we gra- if we gather up <laughs> all these songs, we can make an and album. That, it, it sounds easy, and then it ends up taking six months longer than it should have. Right. I, and I would imagine the mastering process is going to be a little more difficult because also making that record sound like a cohesive body of work over however long. Well, we did virtually most of it in his studio. We did, Just to finish up the tracking, we ended up doing a lot of stuff in our studio and just sending it to him. But So he had mixed it all, and he went back and remixed. He did go back and remix a handful of them, to, I guess, to do that. And then right. he mastered it as well just because, I don't know, we, just, we were just so ready to get it out. That yeah. 
we just trusted him to do it instead of said, I've heard people say the same thing you say that it's kind of hard to take a normal. And, and actually, Chris doesn't like to master. He's right. Like, he says the same thing. He's like, no, you should send it away independent ear, somebody that just Fresh masters. Ears. That's all they do. Mm-hmm. Good point. And we were like, just do it. Just do it. We're ready. <laughs> we don't even I, we, like. I, we can't even get anybody to like start making phone calls to find out how much it costs to master something. Oh, just do it. Like, yeah. Nobody has any more time to deal with this. Yeah. Right. And we wanted to book some shows, do something, you know? Yeah. We kept thinking, like, we'd, we'd play a show, and it was just like, we're playing the same old songs. This is yeah, old. we were stuck in a hole. We needed to get it out of that hole. Right. But it, it ended up being a good decision, I think, because it sounds great. Yeah, I'm happy with it, for sure. We're happy with it, how especially pre- the, the vinyl sound. How prepared mm-hmm. do you guys go into... Yeah, I want to ask a question about the vinyl, but how prepared do you guys go into the studio? Like, do you have the whole song written? You've... Played it for a year and then. Oh yeah. Okay. Our song, our songs get to cook a lot uh, at band practice before right. we go into the studio. I know a lot of bands will write in the studio. Mm-hmm. That's not our experience. Oh yeah, no, I, I'd like to, but yeah, it would be a fun. It would be a, a, a cool exercise to. Yeah. Go do you have anything? Like, that, okay. What do you have? And I do that on guitar stuff a lot. I do that on a, a lot of guitar and vocals. I would do just alone at our space. I would do a lot of, but it, but when we were in Chris's studio, paying for the time, no, he doesn't just like go to, and get it <laughs> done and walk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do do you did you have any experiences in the studio where something did kind of change the course of a song, or was it pretty like what you went in with was what you walked out like mentally? What you went with, in with is what you walked out with. I, I, I don't ever go in there with an idea that we're going to come out with a definitive product that's going to be a certain way because you'll either end up disappointed or you'll have lost an opportunity to do something even cooler. Right. Um, but I, that said, I would guess that maybe half of them came out virtually what we thought we were dealing with. Yeah. There's a couple on here that we did go in there knowing uh, you know, there's a whole front half of this that's going to be empty until we get around to just messing with it. This Autumn Leaves of Oklahoma song has a really long intro that is mostly just chaos, and there was no, there's really no way to have even written that. We're still trying to figure out how to play it live. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh. But yeah, about half of about half of them. There was a pretty because we've been like you said we've been playing some of these for a pretty long time, so and uh, yeah. Did did you you pick the song order? Did you choose that? Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't put a whole lot of thought into that. That's just kind be, of after the fact. So you're not leading with it. your single? I mean, that's the... Isn't that no, supposed to be the, the, lead, <laughs> yeah. the lead one is actually a big, long, epic song. Uh, I try to lead with something that is a little bit fun, definitely listenable, not too challenging, uh-huh. but that is not the poppiest song. Something that says... I feel like if you lead with your best poppy single thing, then from there on, they're going to just expect everything to be like that. Yeah, right. And so if you lead with something that's a little bit challenging, then I feel like then they'll either be ready to enjoy the rest of the oddities or they'll be happy when the hit comes on. They'll just be like, finally. <laughs> and I think, yeah, and I think that's both. I think, I think that's that true. first yeah, one. Yeah, I did. That first one is is very intriguing. Yeah. Like, like what is, what is going to be next? And mm-hmm. then the next one is is a pretty poppy, catchy yeah. song. Yeah, I still, so I put on, I've listened to the first, the thing with records is like, it is an active listening experience, right? Like you, like you have to flip it over and mm-hmm. start. So I've listened to the first half, then kids are like, I, I like like, like record listening time, mm-hmm. like when you're first digging into something. So the downside of a record is I only have one player and it's in my living room, which is like the center of the <laughs> oh, house. Yeah. And just yeah. like, mm-hmm. I can't ever get like, so uh, it's taken mm-hmm. me like, 
I haven't gotten back to this. Have you, have you yet, gotten to the last? Song I haven't. Okay. I haven't gotten this. I haven't gotten back. I, so I kept meaning to like do the download because it comes with the free MP3 yeah, like yeah. download in there. Um, and I haven't done that yet, but that'll give me that like drive to work to like really. Uh, that's when I get my best listening timing. Yeah, like, yeah, nothing's sure. distracting me, you know, like. Yep. But yeah, you're right. Now that I think about this, I did structure this as a side A and a side B, thinking that, okay, probably people are just going to be listening to one at a time. Right. And they're both similar in that way. They kind of start with one that, well, this one's not that odd, but they, the second song on both of them are Todd's songs. Mm-hmm. And then it goes, I, I, we always go out with this song, The Good Fear, which is our, our namesake. We always end, we put that on every album. So <laughs> <we always end laughs> yeah, that. it ends up on... What's the best iteration of that song? Are you just plucking the same recording every time? And no, we redo a new one. We do. Yeah, we redo it because we it, it evolves. It's kind of a living, right, breathing right. thing. Yeah, especially when you change a member, it's gonna change. That song is gonna change. You just need a little like uh, do a tape. There's the tape record guy right now. You could just put out a tape single that's just that song. Just however that many song. iterations of that song in it. That'd be It'd be like my uh, Savage Garden Chicken Cherry Cola single CD I bought. I mean, Aaron bought for me. No, no. <laughs> no. I had right said Fred. I'm too sexy. Single. Uh, Did you have remixes and on, for? And it, on the B side, it was in Spanish. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. This, we've talked about this uh, before. Of course, of course. That was how yeah. that was how Spanish. Butch Vig got his start, though. In the '90s, Butch Vig would remix songs. That was a big uh, deal in the '90s to like take a song and remix. make an electronic or whatever remix version of it and put it back out. Like maybe the world needs that again. I think they've got it. just get on spotify and you'll hear so many different versions of some of these songs uh what was the choice of vinyl i think this like i mean it's obviously it's coming back right is kind of like a cool thing i think but um what made you decide to do that do you recall I think we just wanted to have one. <laughs> yeah. to I just want to that's see a, a record. pretty good reason. That's actually the me. best yeah. reason. That's, yeah. it was, I've uh, read some things hello. since then that actually. Here's my record. <laughs> right. Look at it. You can hold it. <laughs> Look at it. Because there's it, this. It's officially no point to make a CD anymore. They say. Yeah, so we knew no, we didn't want to do a CD. Right. No, that's fair. Was, do we just do a digital release or do yeah. a digital and vinyl? And we kind of yeah. went back and forth, yeah. and it was it ended up being I think a combination of. We just want to have that that artifact because right. uh, you know we're, we're we're this band is constantly in the state of I don't know if we're ever going to get this chance again. Yeah, so we better do it. <laughs> we better do it now because we now. wanted we we had never had a full length on vinyl. Right, we had a, a split seven inch at one point in time. Yeah. So we had one song on on right. a seven inch uh. before, but we'd never done a, a full vinyl release. We're so kind it was of like now's the time we have to. Yeah, if we want to do it, we need to do it now. We're committed now to the to the rest of the from now on, maybe just singles. Just digital release singles. Now that we've done this, we've got it, we can say it was fun. There yeah, it is. Yeah. We're thinking about just doing everything digital release singles from now on. Oh really? Yeah. Because if, if it takes this long to to do this for us, mm, then man. Yeah. You guys will be the Boston of the two thousands. Ten years yeah. between records. I I mean, right. write your legacy now, guys. <laughs> write your legacy now. <laughs> so if we can do just like shorter like EP releases digitally from here on out, I'd be yeah. I'd be We fine did have it. that conversation of like very much being in the nineteen fifties of music again where you were just like putting out a single yeah. every yeah. month, you know, just like really that driving. would be fun. Yeah. yeah. What like a dollar forty nine, dollar ninety nine on iTunes or whatever, uh-huh. you know, to pop. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's just digestible. I mean, that's all anybody can digest anyway. It's a weird thing. You know, I'm a whole like whole album type person. Mm -hmm. If I buy it, like I rarely ever buy a single unless I'm Mm -hmm. not sure. Never heard them before. But if it's someone I've heard, I'm either going to buy the record 
and listen to the whole thing and have the digital part you yeah. know on my phone but it's start to finish for me you can find the time to set aside and listen to the whole well, album a long drive to no, work but yeah. i mean i drive 20 some odd minutes but i mean it's oh. i'll listen get out and do whatever get mm-hmm. back in pick right back up but shop yeah. but i do like you oh know, yeah when i'm out in anytime the shop that, i'll put on a record mm-hmm. and listen anytime to i'm out and about yeah but I think it's it is important to have something like this for those people that are I don't want to say audiophiles, but people that like the tangible. You know, if you like someone well enough, you're going to go out and seek something like this. Mm-hmm. So just to have a one a one off, I think it's it's pretty freaking cool. Not everyone can say that. Yeah, I mean, they say it's sure. the best yeah. way to do it. Now they say that these these supposedly this was not a thought for us, but that supposedly you can make money on vinyl these days, printing it at least get your money back on it for yeah. I would think that's true. And I think like, you know, when I went to Blockstream and bought one in the landscape, I was like, this is super, like the price point's great. Like it was Mm -hmm. totally on point. You know, it made sense. Um, I still like having a physical object. I'm the guy that likes the, like I read all the lyrics and the liner notes. That's how I knew producers and new musicians and knew that, you know, this guy played in this and this and this. Yeah, see, I missed that. I I really missed that because I'll, I'll hear a song on Spotify or whatever and be like, that sounds like a so-and-so, you know, vocal mm-hmm. line or guitar line. And I want to know who produced it and who played on it, but you can't always find that stuff. Right. Sometimes it's hard. It's yeah. really, and it says it comes with a digital booklet, but you never look at that. I don't even know where I would find my digital booklet that right. I got from iTunes. And, and being you know, able to read through something like that too. I don't know if you guys are the same, but I'm kind of a skimmer, you mm-hmm. know, hitting the highlights of certain things. If it's in a digital mm-hmm. format like that, yeah. just because of the way it is. Yeah. You yeah. know, you're less likely to retain that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I recently l- sat down and listened to the newest Jenny Lewis album. And, and she, there's an insert in that record that track by track, who played on it, who produced it. Because some of it was produced by Beck and some of it was done right, by right. Ryan Adams yeah. before the before the blow up. <laughs> right. But uh, but I, I, I loved hitting each song and, and reading who, who played on each one. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, there's really cool because uh, Paul Westerberg put out an album, Sue Kane Gratification, which personally to me is the best record ever made. Um, and it was, are you? She was just uh, digressing. It wasn't or, like yeah, a, oh. disagreeing with. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> I don't think that's it. You haven't even heard that record. Um, I don't know it either, but I was hoping she was laughing. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, scoff and yeah. like a. Oh. But it was one of those things where like a bunch of different people just played on it, and I also found out that my favorite drummer who now i can't even think of his name but uh <laughs> he, was, he was the drummer for Stuart copeland no <laughs> the police <laughs> well yes duh uh his, john bonham his his mo- you don't have to yell into the mic john his bonham jovi his most yes. his, Juan mo- his most famous band is probably perfect circle but he was the drummer for the vandals um oh. the bangles the vandals. vandals i used to yeah. love the Vandals. yeah i thought yeah, about the them bangles. a long time yeah uh, Hitler Bad Vandal's Good is like one of the greatest pop punk what? records ever made. It sounds cool. Um, I don't remember his name. Jungle. Anyway, he ends up being the drummer on this like Paul Westbrook record and just being able to make that connection uh-huh. because yeah. of liner notes, because of, right? And like, yeah. I think maybe Bela Fleck played on it a little mm. bit. It was just this like who's who. Oh, yeah. Who if you get of, into jazz or like early folk stuff, you can just all, all yeah, everything you read. Yeah. Just like, and just being able to see like, oh, all these people know each other. Like all these people are working together. Mm. And it, it's yeah. just, I think that's something that like community, you lose a little bit without it. But, we actually yeah. left a credit off on ours. Uh oh. Jason, Jason Rich played some acoustic guitar on that when we 
we forgot to put it on there. So, oh, you have a so going forward in all interviews, out, like yeah. a little label you maker. Out to if, you, if you just want to direct all people back to this episode <laughs> of this <laughs> podcast to get all yeah. of the yeah. credits <laughs> off the record right. for full credits, <laughs> for full it's credits, go to look QR, what I QR did. Code. Yeah. <laughs> QR. Bleep, bleep. You know what? Aaron and I will personally go to every record shop and put the QR <laughs> put code on, on it. My mom has a Dymo or a small little. Gladly. Right. They Look make us out for having to right. There's a spot. Sadly, we yeah. have plenty of time to do that for all the records we'll sell. <laughs> yeah. oh. oh, man. Um, so I said what I think is the best record. I really, uh, I, but I think it defined a time. And it made me think whilst we were walking around, what is your defining high school record? Because I think everybody kind of has that one. I do have one. I thought you were going to say what's your favorite record of all time. I can't answer that, but I can answer that, I think. I actually thought about the first question. It's like, you know uh-huh. what? Everybody gets stumped. But if you yeah. say the record that you put in and it's high school, everybody knows. Or at least let's just say what flashes into your head first. Right. right. First okay. thing yeah, that that's pops the best into thing. my mind right. is yeah. Uh, yeah. Blood Sugar Sex, Sex Magic. Oh, wow. good one. Pepper's record. Yeah. That's why you're a good musician, because no. that's not my answer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, There's no wrong answer. I do remember Except someone saying mine. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brian. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the first one that comes to mind for me, because I, I had it on cassette uh, in the car, uh, tape deck, and I just I, I would uh, just play the heck out of it. Uh, both sides just continuous all the time. It's MXPX, Life in General. Yes, that's such a good record. <laughs> that's my first ever punk record ever. Really? Yes. I lo- I knew every word to every song. And yes, I just, it was like my, my high school Bible. It was uh, the funny thing is, I really liked Chick Magnet because just that baseline just got me right. And the rest of the record, I was like, man, I don't know. This is kind of like hard to listen to, and it's <laughs> such like a soft bubblegum like it's record. Really later poppy, on. Yeah. But at the time, I was like, this is really pushing it. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to get out of your record. Oh, I didn't know we were answering. What, what was popular in the 60s in high school, Aaron? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> They're recording on a wire recorder. You know, just What thing, was your favorite Beach Boys single? Morse code. <laughs> they had the telegraph. It was called Full Stop. was my favorite. <laughs> God. <laughs> you think I was like however many years older than Daniel that I am. I don't even know how... Anyway, man, <laughs> I'm going to say something purely cheesy, though, All right. okay, because of the way I grew up. It was, uh, <laughs> can't get it out. I can't because it's, it's hard to admit. Uh, uh, it's not Yanni. I will admit that while I was not listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers, I was listening to Tony, Tony, Tony. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. nice. I, Y, and E, right? <laughs> yeah. On the yep. tunes. Yes. I do. They were good. Oh, there's the Madonna. Uh, that makes you feel any better. Dick Tracy album. Uh, uh, I had that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, my first thing that you said, like first album that popped up into my head was, uh, <laughs> oh, it's a DC Talk album. <laughs> yes, DC Talk. I saw DC Talk. Right. Yes. And it was like, uh, well, Jesus Freak was a huge thing. You couldn't yeah. get away from that song. No, though. that was such like. I mean, that's right. I mean, but I the album song, was yeah. good. Um, but I'd have to say the first, Throwing Copper by Live. Oh, was my first like that's step a good one. into away from Pearl Jam because I was I love Pearl Jam. Uh-huh. But uh, throwing copper was the first one, and I had a lot of uh, family members saying stuff about the curse words in it. But throwing copper, I was about to say squirt gun. 
which was a Jonathan Haywood like discovery or whatever. Uh-huh. But I think actually the record that defined high school for me probably was Cake Fashion Nugget. Like oh. I still to this day can sing. Every, I mean, I put it in on road trips. Like Fashion Nugget. Oh, Not yeah. Cake Fashion Nugget. <laughs> yeah, thought, cake. Right? Sorry, I was cake. waiting to hear what the band was. Band yeah. Cake. Cake Fashion Nugget. <laughs> album Fashion Nugget. Like that album singularly from them. They they're, yeah. they're great. But like, I thought maybe it was a lightly frosted. <laughs> <laughs> Edible. I saw a lot of lightly frosted shows. <laughs> <laughs> what? I know. I heard uh, that uh, y'all were his biggest fan. Biggest fan. <laughs> I love their that. first uh, their first album, Cake Fashion Nugget. <laughs> Cake Fashion Nugget. <laughs> I, I, that. I don't know. I didn't realize that would have so, been an album. I thought say, there was a slight pause, guys. I said Cake Fashion Nugget. There was like a little break. I didn't hear it. <laughs> Sinatra Cake. song. That was, that was a good record. Uh, is there? Do you guys have shows coming? Well, we don't know when this is coming out specifically, oh, yeah. but June twenty eighth, Smoking Barrel. Yeah, the official album release show. More or less, the celebration of the album. It's so far past the release. Yeah, it's it's, it's, like, it's released. <laughs> but the good thing about doing it you that have to way, book the, you have to book fa- in Fayetteville. You have to book things like two months in advance now, at least. Wow. Yeah, so you it's like a week to get a show like that. Album release. Grand exactly. open. Yeah. You know, it's like you're so open for if, a while and it's like, but we're open. This is the if beta you, testing opening of the yeah, yeah, we're in beta testing now mm-hmm. and then that'll be the, yeah. the alpha release. So if you don't buy a ticket for the Excelsior package of the Death Ray Art and Design Expo, you should definitely check out the Good that's Fear, that's the same way I had smoke Where is this? You can so, go and come back. Actually, yeah, when does the show sure, start? Right? When does the show start? Whenever that's over. Showtime. Nine o'clock, probably, right? You can literally <laughs> go from over. Death Ray Expo <laughs> yes. straight to Where the Pilsner. Where is that? It's at the, like, the Garden Hilton Inn or whatever mm-hmm. on Weddington. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll so be much fa- more clear so about could, our... De- mm-hmm. You can literally yeah. drive down the street. Yeah, you could go. Yeah. Aaron will drive you from the Death Ray Expo straight to the If you bring your bracelet or stub from the Expo, we guarantee that you will get... Entrance into the club and, for and cover charge. Dustin will buy you a drink. Ooh, that's a deal I can't pass up. Um, we may have to edit Free some waters. of these parts out. <laughs> Barkeep. Yep. Ice this time. That's cool. So June twenty eighth. Yes, uh, and um, whenever shows generally start. Constant Stranger just signed on to open the show. Uh, Justin Peter Kinkle Schuster. I'm not. Sh- I think it might. I'm not sure if it's in solo or with the band. Okay. He's got a band thing, and and we're gonna play with them in September. At George's, but uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to announce that. I don't know. That's his show, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure it's fine. But uh, yeah, June 28th, Smoking Barrel. And, and the record is available? MaxRecordings.com, iTunes. What's the other one you guys use? Uh, Spotify. Instagrams, is that what it's called? Block Street Records for yeah. the physical copy. The phys- Can you get the physical copy anywhere else or is Block Street the place to go? I don't think anybody else has the physical. Well, stop it's by it's your, pretty uh, much the website, yeah. the Max website or Block Street. Gotcha. Yeah. Hit them up. Uh, so, and then they can follow you at the Good... F- what's the we Instagram? Have a, we have a Facebook page, The Good Fear. We have an Instagram. TheGoodFear.com. The good, the good uh, yeah, and then we have a... A revamped website, thegoodfear.com. Nice. Um, okay, so Aaron's going to ask a question, and we've only had, I think, two people on one other time, right? So mm-hmm. we have to, like, one of you is going to get the short end of the stick. Um, Aaron's going to start a sentence, and then you're going to finish it. There's no right or wrong answer. You right. just say whatever comes to mind. Yeah, okay. Unlike All the right. album question that was asked. Uh, <laughs> All were wrong answers. <laughs> right. No. Remarkably. Um, <laughs> well, actually. All right. Did I say well, actually? No. 
Okay, we did. You're really yeah. making me second no. guess what I'm no, saying. No, no, right no, now. no, 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 no. You're supposed to be my like support system. What? Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Ask Brian first. Ask Brian first. All right. Okay. I wish I could fly. That's the first thing that popped into my head. Yep. That's third person to say that. Really? Mm-hmm. It's good. It's really good. So that's the good answer. Okay. okay. No, I'm kidding. No, it's, no okay. I, read, is, I read something about like if people are in I the like room, it. like X percentage of people will say fly, uh-huh. but if you answer it in secret, you'll say be invisible. <laughs> like, uh, oh, it's weird. Well, like, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to hear what you're interested. I don't remember be. where I read that or saw that, but I was just like. Now I kind of want to do this a different way, like right on this sheet of paper. Yes. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. All right. So pretend like you didn't hear that question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what we did last time? We sent somebody out of the room. I remember uh, that Too now. late for that. That's what we should have done. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well. I wish I could. Live forever. That's also a good one. Like Andrew, a Highlander live forever? Like is there danger in your life or you'll just live forever no matter what? Highlander. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. The only one, and it's I me. sense a movie watching party in our near right. future. <laughs> Look What I Did is produced by Aaron Dotson and Daniel Quinn. Sound designed by Daniel Quinn. Our digital director is Heather Hill. 